Welcome to Philosophy at the Movies, a podcast where we discuss themes in the history of philosophy through the medium of film. I'm Alex Baker, and joining me today as always... Sean Baker. Today's topic is the 2020 film, Another Round. So uh, before I get into the plot summary, because this movie just came out, and if you're looking to catch up on stuff, say when the Oscars come out, this will probably get some awards. So if you haven't seen this movie yet... And you don't want to be spoiled, we will be spoiling it. So I just want to give a heads up because this is a pretty new movie. So without further ado, here are the spoilers. We follow four uh, high school professors in Denmark. And they're both kind of in their 40s, middle-aged. You could say they're somewhat having a midlife crisis. Yeah. The main, our main, We focus on all of them, but the main focus is the character of Martin, the history professor. And one day he's going out on a dinner birthday celebrating one of the guy's 40th birthday and he sort of has somewhat of a breakdown saying that he's distant from his wife she works she's a nurse who works nights so she's never really there yeah he doesn't really talk much to his kids and his job is somewhat unfulfilling yeah what's happened if i recall correctly is before this in the film is um the parents uh, uh have called a meeting with him He's the history teacher at Mm -hmm. this uh, gymnasium, high school, and basically told him, uh, you know, your teaching's uninspired, boring, we're worried about our kids' test grades. That happens before the party. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The first time we see him, he's giving a lecture in history, and... You can tell he's he he it's like you could say he's well, checked out. You, it, sometimes when you hear this, when kids complain about, it, you can say, "Oh, that's just the kids' fault," which it is most of the time. But in this case, you can tell he's just not into it. Yeah. He doesn't even re- re- follow what he's teaching. Yeah, he's so you can literally, say the kids actually do have a point this time. Yeah, although there's probably a feedback mechanism there because I think the the kids are uninterested and uh, kind of listless and unengaged mm-hmm. and. It's kind of hard to tell which was the chicken and which was the yeah. egg. He he is too. He's just literally only reading out of the book, sitting at his desk and only reading out of the book. They're all bored. He's bored. Exactly yeah. right. It yes. is the case of if you're not passionate about what you're teaching, how do you expect the kids to be passionate about learning it? Yeah, it's that case. But but while they're having this dinner, one of them discusses the theory by a psychiatrist named Here I go, Finn. Skarderude. Skarderude. His theory is that humans have were born with a negative 0.05 blood alcohol content too low. They have too low blood alcohol content. Yeah. So if you have 0.05 blood alcohol content in your body, not only is it okay for you, but it supposedly will improve your life. Yeah. And so after this dinner, they each decide to test it. Mainly Martin. He's the one that kind of you know does it. He shows them, and they're, they all get really into it, where they actually try to make it as an actual experiment with yeah. you know results and yeah. everything. They're, and, that's funny. They sit there at various parts of the film, and they, they are writing. Uh, they're writing it out, mm-hmm. because one of the teachers is, is actually a yeah. trained psychologist, so he's probably done some research in, in his uh, academic career, right? So they're, they're sitting down and writing it out as if it's a... a an experimental yeah. uh, paper and uh, working with the various uh, uh, blood alcohol content uh, 
uh, levels and, and recording the effects it will have. I forget on the exact terminology, but one of the terms is just hilarious. It's the psycho rhetorical effects mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know if that's a real term Trying to or make not. it sound as scientific yeah. as possible. Yes. So they do that, and initially everything works great. Martin is now getting more involved in his class. The, he's having these fun little experiments. He does a thing with the maca election on who would you vote for. Trying, you know, and then one of them's a choir teacher in the beginning. They're all off key. They're all off tempo. He starts drinking and starts having a bit more fun in the class, and all the kids are doing great. Now they're singing it perfectly. Yeah. One of the other teachers is a phys ed teacher, and he also coaches this youth soccer team. And there's always this kid that nobody really likes. They call him Specs because he has glasses. Yeah. He sort of helps him and sort of becomes a father figure to him. And then the kid in the game scores the game-winning goal. So everybody, it's all working great. Then they start, and he starts reconnecting with his wife and kids. Martin does. Martin does. Yes. Then they decide to really take it farther. Like, well, let's not just stop at point zero five. They say, let's keep going until basically, you know, we get completely blackout yeah. wasted. They, for, their first step is let's go to set, oh, point oh seven five, right? Yeah. And then, uh, then they say, okay, we need to go to. Uh, uh, point one, which is that's a heck of a lot of alcohol in your system, um, and then they actually and, and all the while having this in the trappings of this experiment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then they say, okay, well, we, we need to do a, a a night of binge drinking and record the results, and that ends up being an utter disaster. Yeah. So that <laughs> yeah. that's like their point. It, uh, the one guy um, is so drunk he urinates in the bed, and then the wife leaves him and says, you know, we're leaving until you get this sorted out. Martin, the main character, winds up drunk in the you know in the next door. So his yeah. son has to take him home. That causes a rift with his wife, and his wife admits that when he was all this time distant, she was seeing somebody else. Yeah. Um, the other guy becomes just descends into alcoholism, and eventually yeah. later on, he drives off on his boat and never comes back yeah. and dies. Yeah. So they all just at that point they decide we just we've taken this too far. Yeah. But what's interesting about this movie, it's not just, it's the, why this is probably my favorite movie of the year. It doesn't have this, you know, I would say just alcohol is bad and he kick, they kick it off at the end. They don't drink again. Yeah. At the very end, it's a few months later. They've celebrated his, their, it's the, not that celebrate, but they're at the funeral for one of the guys. And it's also at the end of the school year. So all the kids are now passed in their exams. And the seniors. The seniors. Yeah. And you can see them going by on this like van or whatever yeah it's a flower draped uh, wagon and i guess this is some kind of a a traditional procession at the end of the school year and what's interesting about it and i guess this is a reflection of danish culture is that uh these high school seniors are on that essentially a float in the parade uh drinking champagne yeah they're getting hammered and we see them at the beginning of the story, uh, beginning of the film, doing something else that is apparently quite traditional for Danish teens. The lake this, race. The lake race, which is this bizarre amalgamation of a kind of a marathon or at least a, a, a one or two mile run at any rate. While you're getting completely while, hammered. While you're getting hammered. you have to. Your team has to carry a, a, a big case, probably more than a case of beer, I'm assuming. I don't know exactly how many are in those boxes. And then stop... Uh, every once in a while or periodically throughout the course of the race and everybody has to 
uh, chug-a-lug a beer, and they keep going around, and there's certain rules about mm-hmm. when they're, they're, they're completely expecting people to vomit because of this, and there are certain rules about when you get points deducted or time deducted for vomiting and when you don't and all this. Mm-hmm. And that is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard of. And what's really remarkable about it is this is apparently uh, in the film because the daughter of the director uh, had told the story of having done this. It's, it's not unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had told the story, uh, the director, I forget his name. Thomas Vinterberg. Vinterberg tells the story of having had a, an American guest over, I think it was. And him, his daughter, and this guest are having a conversation. And this tradition comes up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the American looks at him and goes, aren't you going to say anything? He doesn't say it, but he gives him that look. And Vinterberg realizes, wow, you know, there's a big cultural divide here. Americans are... Uh, maybe hypocritical in, in, but definitely in regard to alcohol, but definitely shocked <laughs> by these underage kids, at least from an American perspective, uh, doing this thing. Um, so that that's the beginning of the film. Yeah. And then another tradition involving kids again is at the end of this film, this bacchanalia with... Uh, Champagne, and then they decide to join them, even though they yeah. sort of said we need to put ourselves away from alcohol because of what it did. Yeah, and then we follow our main character Martin because he's separated from his wife, but she's texting saying she misses him and sort of implying that she wants to get back together. Yeah, and he starts drinking. But the thing is, throughout the movie, he he, he was we've been told that he took jazz ballet yes. young, and they've always tried to come on, show come us a on. dance, yeah. and he never does it. But now that he's had the champagne, he's completely let loose. He is dancing, and yeah, Mads Mikkelsen, the actor, was apparently a dancer, and it's a, you, you can see you can it. Tell him dance. I mean, yeah. he is going he's good. all out, and he's yeah. dancing. And at the very last shot of the movie, he's completely free, and he we see him midair about to jump into the lake, or right, the or to the it's the ocean, the ocean, yeah. Uh, and and it, it's an it's, it's all four, all four or three surviving teachers, yes, uh, that have. Uh, started to drink and celebrate with these seniors again. Um, so you're right. I, I, on a first viewing, and, and I guess probably from an American's perspective, it was a little bit jarring that they were so easily back into it, back into it uh, after I thought having um, uh, extracted the, you know, we need to lay off the alcohol lesson from the the, the the tragic part of that film because there is there's a middle section that's just tragic everything's falling apart for these guys and then Tommy is lost to suicide um, you have hints early on with Tommy even when he's uh, you know at the .05 level and having success in the PE uh, his his job as a PE coach and that wonderful story of Specs it's great it's so nice to see Specs being being his confidence being buoyed by what Tommy does. And but, it's hinted that Specs is, he has, basically has no parents. It's sort of hinted that yeah. either they're neglectful or they're abusive. And so Something. Basically, yeah. he's the father figure, too. And he's the father figure, and it's working <laughs> out. Um, but even back at that early part of the film, you know, they almost catch him. He's got bottles and bottles stashed in the PE uh, equipment. It's like it's like almost like a comic because it's just like, oh, it's here. We have it yeah. here. It's here. It's here. It's yeah, like, it, it's comic, but it's also, <laughs> I think, a foreshadowing of the tragedy of him. You know, I think one of the things they do with this film is they show that there are various types of person 
with regard to how physiologically how they respond to the use of alcohol on a regular basis. And Tommy is what I guess would be called an addictive personality. And mm-hmm. he he's the one uh, of all of them, they all to some extent lose control. But he's not able to regain the control. And uh, he becomes a full-blown alcoholic and uh, miserable and decides, you know, toward the end of that film, the best thing he can do, although we don't see it. Uh, it's inferred. Yeah, he just drives suicide. out the ocean. Yeah, and it's a sad case. And what's kind of interesting, I was reading up on the film, the actor that plays Tommy, he's an ex-alcoholic. Uh, or he's a, a, a Alcoholics Anonymous member, apparently been so for about eight to ten years, I forget. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. And what you, what you talked about earlier, what is interesting is because when we think about alcohol in movies, the first things that pop to mind are something like Lost Weekend or yes. Leaving Las Vegas, where mm-hmm. it is just... A, and I don't think this movie is just going that route, even though it shows somebody who becomes an alcoholic. I think one of the reasons why is because doing some background, you talked about Vinterberg, the director, and his daughter. He lost... His daughter died in a car accident right as the filming was about to begin, and she was the one that encouraged him to told him of this idea because apparently he wrote this as a play many years ago, and then she said, no, we should, you should make this into another movie. And he said, after kind of reflecting on his daughter's death, he wanted to not make this movie so dour and negative. And if you've yeah. seen, I've seen two of his other movies, which are The Hunt and The Celebration. Those movies are definitely on the more dour and depressing mark. He wanted to do something more positive. He said life affirming. Yeah. And I think, because like even as the song that's playing while Mads Mikkelsen character Martin is dancing, it's, the song is called What a Life. And it's yeah. sort of just... I don't know this lyrics are I don't know where I'm going to be five years from now but just what a life just enjoy it while I can yeah so it's almost there's certainly that element there and I I think that's what gives uh, what makes this film unique with in comparison to Lost Weekend is the the other film that comes to mind for me uh, that deals with alcoholism and alcohol abuse Um, uh, this one in a way, I think is reflective of uh, Danish culture uh, and its uh, intimate connection with alcohol use, much more than yeah, American culture. Throw some statistics. It's yeah. the most drinking out of all the um, Nordic countries, which are Finland, Norway, mm-hmm. um, Iceland, and it also um, drinking laws. Like here, you can't buy a drink until you're 21. There, you don't have. You only have to be 16. So that's yeah. why you're seeing it so much among these teens. Is it's legal for them. They're seniors. They've been able to drink legally for two years now. Yeah, and they're relatively open in uh, talking about it with their adults uh, in, in class in particular. You know, that scene with Martin discussing uh, alcohol use uh, with the students that uh, is a big hit. Yeah, ju- you know, ju- He's almost using, because we see him, because con- he's a history teacher, mm-hmm. he's constantly using famous people in history the main person he uses is winston churchill yep he said this man was not only the one who helped us through world war ii he also was a huge drinker but doing this he was a politician he wrote just countless numbers of books he was a painter he did all this and yet he was just as he probably was you as a unit drinking game that's what he said he could kick your butt in a lake race he was he would probably admit it himself he was a functional alcoholic to say the least and a very highly functional one um, and that's what makes it intriguing in this film is it yeah. gives 
uh, fair portrayal of the positive potential positive impact of, of the use of alcohol. Um, again, I think one of the most telling cases is uh, uh, most touching cases in the film is the one where the um, uh, the psychology teacher is trying to help this terribly um, nervous and uh, angst-ridden uh, uh, student yeah, through Sebastian his, is his name. Sebastian yeah. through his uh, oral exams. This is something they they do over there at that senior year. We don't do this here. We do written exams. That's about all we do in America. But there, it's much more like a postgraduate. Uh, a master's or a PhD program, where uh, an essential aspect of what you do to, to graduate is you have to you have to pass oral exams. And so apparently, what they do is they uh, randomly pick for these students uh, a topic, or the student picks a number, and they look at the the corresponding number on this list and say, "Okay, you've got to sit down and talk to us for at least an hour on that topic and show you know what the hell you're talking about." Oh, and guess what? We're not going to tell you what topic it is, so you better be up on everything that you have learned in your academic career up to this point. That's nerve-wracking. And you can see this poor kid is so nervous about it that he's just going to freeze and he's going to fail. He's already been held back a year. Yeah. So Nikolaj tells him, uh, look, take a shot before the exam. It's going to help you out a little bit. What's kind of interesting is the first thing that came to mind for me was – uh, the old cliche that uh, he's going to start uh, throwing up in the middle. of No, the- no, no, no. The the old cliche the descriptor for uh, alcohol. Sometimes it is called liquid courage, right? And what it enables him to do, and probably these teachers as well, is to if is to if not muster courage at least through its um, inhibitory effects, uh, inhibit their uh, um, inclination to be reticent and not try something, right? Long enough for them to not care so much about how they might appear or whatever and go ahead and do it. So it's not quite courage. Like inhibition uh, or lack of inhibition is not necessarily courage. But it is, as it were, another strategy or another tactic to use in the face of perceived danger or perceived risk. And he gives him that advice. The kid takes a water bottle, it's a spiked water bottle in with him, and he gets just enough of a dose to where all of a sudden he's talking very fluently and very convincingly about the uh, Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. Um, uh, about fear, right? And, and uh, ha- ha- being able to face fear and then face your own uh, shortcomings and failings and that being an essential part of being able to also th- there, thereafter connect with other people and help them do things. And you think, all right, he's got it. He's got this exam. <laughs> um, but uh, very interesting um uh, commentary there and, and that's what's so attractive i think about alcohol for a, a lot of people that end up uh, abusing it is its uh, effects on inhibitions and, and turning them off so to speak 
makes it very easy for you to do things more, quote, relaxed, right? And um, when we see them binge drinking, oh boy, are they relaxed. They're, they're at a bar, they're yeah. singing. One guy jumped into a lake, so he has most of his clothes off. Yeah. They're at the One of the funny parts in the movie is they're at a grocery store and they're just completely hammered yeah like, do you have the salmon the and that's fresh? that's that's, and that's and he what... stumbles over <laughs> and they're like no we, we got them we got them <laughs> and they're that's that's what's ha- happened after they've they've become used to using it mm-hmm. for the purposes which you could say are laudable because it does turn them into better teachers it does allow them to connect with specs it does allow them to connect with sebastian and help these kids along. I think it also makes them care about them more than they did before. They were rather cynical about the kids before. It allows them to connect with their family to some extent. But it's all done from that point of view of this turning off uh, chemically of of inhibitions. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, as it were, not done through the correct mechanism. And they become dependent on that especially martin yeah and then because of the nature of the physical addiction of alcohol it's no mistake i think that they they're portrayed as increasing the dosage in the interests of the experiment of course no it's because the lower dosage i think this is my reading anyway uh the lower dosage no longer has that same effect and that's completely predictable. That's the way alcohol is. Or you know? any drug. Yeah. They, Chasing that first high. Right. And you have a dependency develop and uh, uh, this, your sensitivity to the dose uh, decreases. So you need to increase the dose. And that brings along with it the negative repercussions we see in the tra- tragic portion of it. But I think it's a very good portrayal of how enticing and easy it is to fall into that addictive behavior because it makes it so much more easy for you to relax and be creative and think you're the raconteur. A lot of people are drunk and think they're the great raconteur, but they're not. Um, not everybody is Winston Churchill when they drink. Um, they, they, but they, oh, Go ahead. Uh, no, but I was just saying, um, uh, but it's undoubted that it, it, it helps in that regard. It's so easy for it to become a crutch. And when you talk about Winston Churchill, there's a lot of justification of famous people they've used to say, well, what we're doing is perfectly fine. A lot of people were drunk. Drunks, yeah. Because one of my favorite scenes of the movie is when he's first trying to reach out to these kids in history, he does this mock election. And he goes, I give you three candidates. Tell me who to vote for. This first guy was a paralytic. He cheated on his wife constantly. He drank too much martinis. And He'd lie when he felt it was yeah. necessary and with abandon. <laughs> yeah. And he said, and they said the second guy, chain smoked, heavy drinker, was impossible to work with, and, you know, all these other things. And then they said, but this third guy, he rarely ever drank. He was a vegetarian. He loved his wife very much. And he was a war hero, decorated, never lost an election. And they all say, well, that third guy sounds pretty good. And he goes, well, you didn't vote for Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You didn't vote for Winston Churchill, but you sure as heck voted for Adolf Hitler. <laughs> yeah. And there's those things where he says, like, not everything is as it seems. Like, just because Hitler 
you know, didn't cheat on his wife, didn't, wasn't a heavy drinker, and did all the, you know, did some things that were considered positive, like maybe turning Germany's economy around once he took over. That doesn't mean he was a good politician. That definitely doesn't mean he's better than Churchill or Roosevelt. Yeah, right. He's a moral monster, and these two weren't. Uh, and the, one other thing I did want to bring up as far as politicians, I love that montage oh, they the, use is, of all the yeah. drunk, like half of them are from the Soviet Union. One's Boris Yeltsin. He's, we think we have him with Clinton in the 90s. And yes. They're both just drunker and yeah. drunk and having fun. And I had to look this one guy up, this Belgian politician who's in that montage. Yeah. Oh, my God, was he drunk. He is. He's that, they're, it's very interesting. They're all, uh, you can tell, clearly inebriated in those film clips. That yeah. Belgian guy was cracking up yeah. like, oh my God, he is hammered. Yeah, and Brezhnev's pretty hammered in the the, yes. the picture they use of him. And uh but Yeltsin, oh my goodness, he's he's not able to stand up. The two other guys had to hold him up. <laughs> um so uh again, you know, I, I think I think his commentary here is to say, you know, look, you know, all all of these people have uh used alcohol. Uh, probably for similar reasons as th- that these uh, teachers have, right? And uh, probably to, with varying degrees of success in, in their political careers. But um, I, I don't, I don't think the message is simply, well, you know, it's great to use alcohol, um, even in moderation. I, I, I think ultimately he thinks it is possible to use it in moderation. Um, but uh, there's an element, and I know this is counter to what he says in his interviews, but th- there there is an element there where he's he recognizes the danger in becoming over-reliant on it and how easy it is to fall into that trap once you've started. It seems like you're having good fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and you think you're still under control, just like they do when oh, we're just running an experiment, we're just controlling our... You know, the various factors of the experiment, including the dosage level, blah, blah, blah. But you know, <laughs> that's, as it were, a rationalization, a classical kind of rationalization an alcoholic would come up with for the, the drinking, right? Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not addicted. I'm just using this to just loosen up a little bit and everything. But slowly and surely, they're getting pulled into and will discover that they're uh, addicted, uh, it's, it's it's an interesting kind of a bivalent picture of Danish culture, but just in general, the uh, the effects of alcohol on on the human physiology and psyche. That's the thing. I just the overall impression of the film. I got it's it, it's brutally honest, mm-hmm. and that's what I liked about it. Yeah, and just a shout out to uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, he did a Hannibal Lecter television series six or seven years ago, which ended far too short, but that was my first introduction to him. If he also was a Bond villain in Casino Royale, so he's a great actor. Yeah, yeah. Very, uh, that whole cast was outstanding. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy at the Movies. You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stockdale. There you can also listen to their podcasts such as Ethics and the Naval Warrior and The Do-Over. If you like this podcast, you might be interested in my other podcast, Real Sounds, where each episode I dedicate to classic movie soundtracks. That can be found online at thesoundofcinema.podomatic.com. 
So until next time, I'm Alex Baker. And I'm Sean Baker. Sing so long, and be sure to catch us next time on Philosophy at the Movies. Thank you.